1973, the U.S. Supreme Court reestablished the right to legal abortion in every state in a landmark decision in Roe v. Wade. Every woman now had the right to choose whether or not to have an abortion within the first two trimesters. Pro-choice or pro-life. Now I know that this is a very controversial topic, but this is precisely why I need to talk about it. In today's podcast, I'm going to talk about the economics, the economical benefits of pro-choice, but also my personal opinion on why I think pro-choice is overall better for society. But first, a quick word from my sponsors. Alright, cool. Welcome back to the Grok This podcast. Um, for those of you that follow this podcast weekly, and I know that there are a few people who do, oddly enough, around the world, um, I apologize for being on a mini hiatus. I did take a break from podcasting weekly because it was near the end of the semester at Villanova University for me, and I was getting pretty busy and b- pretty stressed uh, during finals exam season. And I also thought that, you know, after 10 episodes of doing a weekly podcast was a good time to take a break. Um, 10 podcasts for 2019 was my original goal. So I thought it would be a nice uh, time to take a quick break uh, and kind of regather my thoughts and kind of relook at where exactly I want to direct this podcast in the direction I want to take it in the future. So today I'm going to talk about the economics of abortion. Um, I'm going to get to that real quick, but I'm just going to give a quick, quick, kind of quick update on my life for those of you that do care, um, for the few of you that might care out there. So right now I'm back in Vancouver, Canada for my summer vacation. I just finished uh, Villanova second semester sophomore, so I will be entering as a junior this fall. Um, so I'm basically halfway done my university. Um, very exciting news uh f- that i've found out i don't think i mentioned it in my past podcast but earlier uh, in the middle of the semester i was accepted into a study abroad to hong kong this summer so i will be going to hong kong uh in about a week i'll be going to japan for a week then korea for a week and then i will be going to hong kong for 7 weeks to study china's economics and also being doing a finance and insurance internship Um, Also very exciting news that this past semester was I was accepted into a study abroad program at Cambridge University, England for the spring of 2020. Um, I will be able to basically study anything I want there, but I'm looking to study, uh, focus on two disciplines. One of them is economics and the other is philosophy. Um, They're often contradicting disciplines, but I'm looking to how I can basically build bridges between business and ethics and humanities. Um, See how I think that'll be very exciting for me next semester. So yeah, that's a quick update on my life. For those of you that care, um, again, those of you that also listen on to this podcast weekly, it's great to be back. And without further ado, let's talk about the economics of abortion. Um, First off, I did write a post an article about this. 
um, which you can choose to read or you can listen to this podcast. I'll basically be going over what I mentioned in the article in this podcast. But the article is about a 10-minute read, and you can find it on www.downtofinancedtf.com. That's www.downtofinancedtf.com. That is my finance and economics blog. Or just continue reading, uh, listening to this podcast. All right, so here we go. Um, honestly, when I wrote this uh, article, I was very uneasy, and I'm a little bit better now with this topic. Uh, talking about it now after a couple uh, of weeks uh, pondering this subject, but you know, it was just Mother's Day, so writing that article was a little uneasy. Um, and I know that I will have some backlash from the article and this podcast, but. You know, if you're not having backlash uh, about what you're saying, then I, I honestly think maybe you're not saying something worthwhile worthwhile listening to. Um, and I know it's a very politically charged topic, but, you know, it's precisely why it's important to talk about things like this, controversial topics. So first off, I'm going to try to mention the economic benefits. Um, as an economist, I'll try to do my best to kind of back up my opinion with kind of objective research and you know information that i find so that i don't offend anyone in that sense but again i am human secondly i am human so a, a lot of this is inherently biased and it will be my opinion but i hope that all of you listening to this do respect my opinion and respect that i what i have to say whether or not you agree or disagree um if you disagree then it's kind of good that you're listening to my a podcast because I honestly think that if you disagree with something, it's more important that you listen because it helps either inform your disagreement or it can give you more information about the other perspective, you know, on the other side. And thirdly, to quickly get it out of the way, um, I am pro-abortion and pro-choice, um, but that does not necessarily mean I am not pro-life. Um, I'm going to discuss kind of the crucial differences between what I think needs to be talked about between pro-life and pro-choice further down um, this podcast. And fourthly, I want to preface this before I dig any deeper, is that I actually don't know anything. Um, you know, I know some. I know a little bit. I did do my fair share of research but i think with this kind of topic no one is fully a hundred percent right about anything um and it's kind of this uncertainty that we all need to approach life with if we really want to get to the right answer um all right so here we go the economics of legalized abortion so kind of some quick statistics. Um, the cost of legalized abortion can range anywhere from $350 to $500 when um, the woman is pregnant between 6 to 10 weeks. Um, the longer the pregnancy extends, the more expensive the cost of abortion generally becomes. Uh, after 16 weeks, it can go up to $650 to $700 for an abortion. After the 20th week, which is basically when the embryo transitions to a fetus, um, the cost of abortion can rise to above $1,000. And now again, all of these prices can vary depending on the length of pregnancy, the health insurance, income level, and type of abortion that the woman is getting. If it's an early abortion, sometimes a small pill is enough to basically kill off the 
small ball of cells before it has turned into anything. But if it's past 20 weeks where the uh, embryo has essentially turned into a fetus, it gets a little more complicated about how exactly we are going to abort the unborn baby. Now, almost 90% of abortions occur within the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. Now, as I mentioned right now, all women have the right to abortion within the first two trimesters, which is between the first to 28th week of pregnancy. But 90% of abortions occur within the first 12 weeks. Now, right now, federal funding for abortions is forbidden unless in special cases of rape, incest, or when a woman's life is endangered. So this is kind of another topic I want to discuss is because if federal funding is denied, women who are under significantly difficult situations will still try to get an abortion, even though they might not have necessarily the funds to do so. Um, this is very distressing because most women who need abortions are generally young, low income, and black. And because these women are, you know, generally young, low income, and black, um, they will struggle being a single parent, not to mention that most of the times they're single mothers. Um, so what they'll do is they'll have to take extra work or they might borrow money and go into debt to receive this abortion or they might defer payments on rent and groceries um, or they might even go to the black market or even worse, do a self-induced miscarriage, which is incredibly unsafe. This might be through alcohol, drugs or self-harm. Uh, furthermore, as there will often be a time gap between receiving the abortion and the time that the woman is impregnated, there's kind of a contradiction because the abortion will occur at a later stage in the pregnancy, which means the procedure becomes more expensive. So the longer the woman waits, the more expensive it gets. So there's a lot of pressure on these women to kind of make a quick decision whether or not they have the funds to pay for a, a, an abortion or they are forced to go to the black market or self-induced miscarriage. Finally, if we want to talk about the economics of abortion um, and people who don't believe that federal funding should go towards abortion, this is actually a fallacy because it has been noted in research that abortions will actually lift a burden off the taxpayer. Because right now, federal funds are restricted from going towards abortions without the certain exceptions I mentioned, which was rape, incest, and life endangerment. But however, the research has found that the discounted future public cost is actually almost 100 times the cost of abortion. So in fact, for every public dollar spent to pay for abortions for poor women, more than $4 is saved in medical and social welfare costs over the next two years. So what essentially it means is instead of getting giving the women the funding to have an abortion, the future of these children and these struggling women are then required funding for other public costs and things like that. And instead, if we just paid for the abortion, the funding we wouldn't need to go to things like uh, social, uh, I think it's social security for the women or um, like federal federal stipends to help raise their children. Now, there is increasing debate right now whether or not federal funding should be allowed to abortions. But under the Trump administration, because Trump is uh, openly pro-life, he has elected policies that tip the balance and in towards 
removing uh, abortion and other abortion laws. Now, I want to talk about one kind of cool economic theory that I read about or I listened to on the audio version of Freakonomics, which is a great book. I recommend anyone who is interested in kind of interesting uh, rogue economics, like, uh, you know, kind of things that are thinking outside of the box economics theories. You should definitely look at their series. So essentially... What was discussed in their 2001 paper by Stephen Levitt, and then he mentions it in the book, is that the impact of legalized abortion actually reduced crime significantly in the United States in the 1980s to the 1990s. So the paper suggests that the absence of unwanted children following the legalized uh, following the legis- legalization of abortion in 1973 actually led to a drastic reduction roughly 18 years later in 1992 and then dropping even more sharply in 1995. The reason for this is because in 1992 and 1995, these years would have been precisely the peak crime-committing years of the unborn, unwanted children. Because most people who commit crime are between the ages of 18 and 24, and in 1973, abortion was legalized, those children were never born. And, of course, 18 years later, because those children were never born, they weren't able to commit the crimes, and crime was drastically reduced. So abortion legalization also changes the kind of children who are born. So, quote, fewer children are raised in single-parent families, fewer children grow up on benefits, and fewer children grow up in poverty. The Roe v. Wade generation, the post-abortion legalization generation, was more likely to graduate from college, make their own living without needing welfare, and raise their children alongside a partner. Crime rates fell dramatically around 20 years after abortion was legalized, with many hypothesizing that higher levels of abortion led to lower levels of criminality." So as I mentioned earlier with the federal funding, because abortion is legalized, there is an economic cost because in the future, there's less welfare, and less benefits that we need to pay for these single mothers and their children who are growing, growing up in difficult situations. But also, there's been good amount of research that suggests that the abortion legalization actually stops crime. Now, This is because, as I just mentioned, um, because these children are generally unwanted and they grow up in single-parent families and they grow up on benefits or in poverty, these are precisely the type of people who end up growing up to commit crimes. Alright, so now I want to talk about the recent news of what's happening in the U.S. and why there's so much outrage. So, quote, Governors in Kentucky, Mississippi, Ohio, and Georgia have recently approved bans on abortion once a fetal heartbeat is detected, which can happen in the sixth week of pregnancy before many women even know they're pregnant. And Alabama's governor signed a measure making the procedure a felony in nearly all cases, unquote. So these generally conservative states are working to ban abortion 
after the heartbeat theory. So the heartbeat uh, detection is around the sixth week, and it's significant because right now you are allowed to abort up to 28 weeks, up to the second trimester, but then the sixth week, a lot of women actually aren't even able to detect that they are pregnant in six weeks. I know my mom always jokes that she was pregnant with me for over two months before she even realized that she was pregnant. So it is a little distressing. Um, puts a lot of pressure on these single uh, fam, uh, single parent mothers um, to kind of make a quick decision on this abortion. So right now, these laws uh, in these Kentucky, Mississippi, Ohio, Georgia, and Alabama, and Louisiana – um, these states are working towards enforcing these laws, but right now they have not gone into effect. Um, there is a uh, there is a lot of fighting to make sure these laws don't go through. But as of now, women in all states can still get an abortion, and abortion is legal nationwide. However, as early as july of this year some of them will start to go into effect uh some within six to twelve months now the most uh kind of distressing one of these states is alabama because alabama goes much further than the other states because they actually make abortion a felony a criminal a crime in itself to have an abortion in all cases without any exceptions not even in cases of rape or incest. The only real exception for an abortion is when the pregnant woman's health is at serious risk. So when I read this, there was a little bit of an uh-oh moment because rape and incest are no longer exceptions and there is no exception to have an abortion even if it is under six weeks. Now, within six weeks of pregnancy, the... There is actually just basically a ball of cells. There is no visible detection of a of a human being or a person. Um, I'll kind of discuss what I mean by that in terms of person theory. But I know religious people believe that when the egg is fertilized, that there is a soul. Um, but if you're not religious, it's kind of hard to make a case that a ball of cells under six weeks of pregnancy can be deemed a person or have a soul or to have essentially the same rights as a living, breathing, actual human being who has left the womb. Um, that is kind of a controversial statement, what I just said, but because I am not religious, I don't believe that six weeks uh, pregnant ball of cells, a fertilized egg can be a person. Um, but let me read a couple of these distressing headlines for the Alabama case. So one headline said, Alabama's near total abortion ban shows the state doesn't give a damn about mothers. Another headline, how states like Alabama protect rapists over women and girls. Another headline is, these 25 Republicans, all white men, all white men, just voted to ban abortion in Alabama. And the most distressing headline I heard was, 11-year-old rape victim would be forced to have her baby under new Ohio law. Because the new law would punish doctors with up to 99 years behind bars, 
which is decades more than the maximum sentence for those cons- convicted of second-degree rape. Um, essentially, abortion is a worse criminal, is a worse crime than rape in the legal system. Um, and this law, Alabama's law, could be enforceable in six months. Um, so there will definitely be a lot of part on American citizens and a lot of legal challenges for Americans to fight this law. All right, so next I want to talk about why I am, why I personally am pro-choice, but also in a weird way pro-life. I'm um, not pro-life in the traditional sense of what it means to be pro-life, but let me kind of discuss this here. I'll make a distinction. So I understand the economic benefits of abortion. You know, there is an ample amount of kind of compelling evidence for why funding abortions and also allowing abortions is both economically good for poor and black communities, as well as also a good taxpayer benefit. Remember, there is kind of like a one to four dollar ratio in future costs um, because there will be less money going towards welfare and benefits for the women who are able to receive subsidized abortions. Um, Overall, I believe abortions benefit society in the economical sense. But I also understand that economics isn't enough in this situation. So we need to look at this in a humanities and a philosophical perspective. So my favorite philosopher is a French philosopher called uh, by the name of Simone de Beauvoir. So her entire philosophy is essentially based on freedom. Um, she believes all of humanity would be happier and better off if each of us strives towards what she calls genuine freedom, which is basically having freedom not only for ourselves, but also fighting so that all of humanity and all people are able to experience an equally liberating freedom. So because of this, because of I have, because this is my favorite type of philosophy, uh, philosophical thought, I, I have to be pro-choice. I believe that in this debate between pro-choice and pro-life, it would be better to give women the freedom to make their own decisions as human beings. Um, and I believe these laws that I mentioned earlier restricts the freedom of women. Um, I also do believe that there needs to be a more balance of people who are making these laws because in Alabama's legislature, only 15% of the legislature is comprised of women. So the rest are mainly males and mainly white males making these laws. So let's not get confused about this debate because these issues are essentially a woman's rights uh, discussion. And we have to discuss women's rights. Um, as, as I mentioned, most of these states are comprised of white males in the legislature and law making decisions on women's body. Um, I know very few pro-life women um i know some pro-life women and i respect them and they're a lot of they're good good people but most women i know most of my friends who are women are pro-choice and it makes sense because at the end of the day it is their body and they should have the right um if to have an abortion or they should also just have the freedom to you know carry their own baby if they so choose to um, what we're talking about here is giving them the choice to have an abortion, not the obligation. Um, 
because that would be just kind of cruel to make. Well, that wouldn't even make sense um, to force young women to have an abortion. I don't know how that would even work, but it's essentially giving them the choice. Um, I am having a little bit of a a little bit of a dilemma whether or not men should even have a say. And ultimately, I do think men should have a position because we are, at the end of the day, we're not men and women. We're just a society. We're humans and we're a society and we need to work together to solve issues. But I definitely do not think that men should have over 85% of the weight in making these decisions. Um, they should have some say. Their opinion should matter in some way. Like I, I'd imagine that I hope some of you listen to this would listen to my opinion to some degree, but I definitely don't think they should have the 85% overrule. Um, uh, apologize. I do sound quite a bit congested because I am a little bit sick right now. Um, let me, sorry, let me continue. Um, so what Alabama has done in restricting abortion, regardless of the time of the abortion or the situation, I believe is disgusting. Um, so an 11 year old should not be legally forced to carry a baby to term when in 2019, we have very simple technology in the form of a small pill that could eventually that could essentially change this young girl's life completely um hopefully for the better um you know we're not an ancient civilization where we're trying to impregnate 11 year old 12 year old 13 year old young girls um and here's where i want to make the distinction between pro-life because if you are not pro-life and you think that women who are genuinely incapable to take care of their unborn and unwanted children should be legally obligated to give birth because essentially you are just pro-birth. You're not pro-life. Um, these women who have unwanted pregnancies, who are struggling women, single parents, um, will give birth to children who are forced to grow up in distressed communities and will cause a huge burden on not only the mother, but mostly, essentially, the single-parent mother. Very often, this is um, raised by a young woman herself. That will cause a huge burden, but it will also put a burden on society. It will put a burden on the rest of the family and also put a burden on the child himself or herself. Um, the child will be most likely poor and struggle in life and will eventually most likely divert to crime as we mentioned earlier um this is not this would not be a good life that they're born into um because then you just be pro birth if you are if you are pro life then you would also be pro supporting single-parent mothers, you also have to be pro-welfare, pro-benefits, and you also have to remove the stigma between young mothers. There's a lot to it. Um, there's a lot of weight and responsibility for people who are pro-life. I know many children, uh, mostly girls, right now that in rural China, rural Vietnam, who are still abandoned uh, because abortions are not readily available. So these children are being born and then left by the river or even just killed off at birth because uh, these rural 
developing countries, very poor countries, are unable to take care of another human being. So this is a survival tactic. I won't, I don't support it, but I understand it. Um, which is why there's a simpler solution, which would be to offer women an abortion within before the baby becomes visibly human or visibly develops into a person. So that is why I am pro-choice, but I am not saying I am not pro-life. To say that we are just a bunch of pro-choice people are a bunch of baby killers would be kind of wrong to say that. That's not what I am advocating. I am simply saying that six weeks is not enough time to deem someone a person when you are simply a ball of cells. So the next question that I need to talk about, of course, leading up to is this person theory, the discussion of when does a human life exactly begin? All right, so person theory, when do we say a human life begins? Um, would we say it's at fertilization when the sperm meets the egg? Or is it literally on the other side of the spectrum, which is at birth nine months later? Um, would it be the heartbeat law, which is six weeks? Is that too quick? Or should we look at the cross between an embryo turning into a fetus, uh, basically when a ball of cells starts developing, developing into a body, a fetus, which would occur around week 10? Or do we go to the far extremes, which is completely ban abortions? Or do we allow abortions all the way from week 1 to week 40, basically, anytime before the baby is born? Um, like I said, I believe abortions are overall good for the economy, um, but I think women should also have a little bit longer than six weeks to make a, a crucial life-changing decision. As mentioned before, many women aren't even aware that they are pregnant within just six weeks, which is a, quite a short duration. Um, and I think there is a pretty weak argument that if you're not religious, to say that under six weeks is a person to say that someone who is a living, breathing human being in the society uh, actively um, contributing to society should have the same rights as a six weeks pregnant ball of cells. Um, but I also believe that two trimesters of 28 weeks is too late into the pregnancy to have an abortion. This is considering many children can begin being born around the 24-week mark or even extremely prematurely starting at 21 weeks. Um, according to studies between 2003 and 2005, 20 to 35% of babies born at 24 weeks of pregnancy actually survive, and then 50 to 70% of babies will survive at 25 weeks, and then more than 90% of babies being born past 26 weeks will survive between 26 and 27 weeks. Um, and, and then after 30 plus weeks, there is a pretty high chance of survival, which is um, around the regular time a baby will be born. Because of this, I think that if a woman is 20 plus weeks pregnant, I don't think the issue or the question should whether or not she gets an abortion. Um, by that time, I think sh the woman should have had ample time to make that decision. And the fact that 20 plus weeks of pregnancy, the woman could be giving birth at 
really any time. So I think past 20 weeks, the discussion should be um, how are we going to help this woman carry this child? If it is an unwanted child, how can we help getting her child into adoption? Or how can we help her with benefits and welfare and helping support her life and the child's life? I think that's the real question if it's past 20 weeks. And it shouldn't be abortion. I don't think um, it should be allowed that late into the stage. Um, After all, if you are pro-life, as I mentioned, you should also be extremely pro-helping all mothers care society forward by giving birth to children who can actually live a good and sustainable life. So I think we all agree on that end. I agree with the pro-life people on that end is that uh, we do need some better support, government support and societal support, both through, you know, just living, helping these women uh, carry children. So yes, I am saying the 28 weeks duration is a little bit, um, should be re-examined. And I also believe six weeks is simply too short. And I think the golden time frame falls between the two uh, time frames that people are debating about. And for me, I would like to say that I think the 20-week point is a good time. Um, after past 20 weeks, it's difficult to argue that the baby is just a bunch of cells because the baby is not. The baby is visibly a ch- baby, uh, physical, physically. And uh, interesting enough, if you are to get an abortion past 20 weeks, the doctor is actually legally obligated to uh, issue anesthesia for the baby because the baby can uh, arguably feel pain. So there would be a pretty strong argument that abortion past this stage um, is considered some type of a murder. Uh, that is a lot of that it would be the argument that a lot of pro-life people would make. Um, of course, I think that six weeks is too short. Again, I keep saying this, but it is essentially a ball of cells. Um, if you are not religious, there's an argument, there's a difficult argument to say that this is a person. Of course, you, if you are religious, I do understand that a lot of religious people believe that once the egg is fertilized, that is also when the baby has a soul. But this is not a religious debate, and I it could should be should be noted it could be a religious debate because um it is a big aspect of pro life people um but there's just so much to discuss and this podcast is getting way too long for me to discuss the religious applications of this now there are still so many questions that we need to discuss so many issues as i said um that i can't discuss them all here um but I hope that at the end of the day, that if you listen to this podcast podcast fully, that you learned a little bit something and became more informed. Because at the end of the day, we need to talk about these issues in a respectful manner. And also, the more informed we are as citizens, even if you aren't American, but just being more informed about everything that's going on in this world will eventually... Um, you'd hope that'd be better for society in overall. Um, I think abortion is good. Um, 
it helps a lot of women, takes off a lot of stress, takes off a lot of pressure um, for these young women in their life. Especially in cases of rape, um, you know, rape is a very disgusting uh, topic to discuss, but I do have to mention it here briefly. Um, in Alabama's case, they are restricting abortion even in cases of rape, so I believe that is a completely wrong move um, for young women, young children. It would just be a little too much to say that on top of getting sexually assaulted, that you would then have to carry a baby, your assaulter's child, when at early on in the stage, you could basically alleviate a little bit of the woman's child's life by giving them a small pill and aborting. Um, so let's talk a little bit about solutions. Um, what are the solutions? Um, some are better than, than others. But all of these can play a small role or a big role in the overall issue. Um, but here are just a few solutions. Um, we can have more awareness of how to practice safe sex. More awareness of the exact issues of what pro-choice and pro-life and pro-birth are. We can remove the stigma behind youth sex and also provide safe sex. And also subsidizing safe sex products, contraception, condoms, etc., we can help fund abortions, which is an economically efficient way of reducing future social costs. We can offer better safety for women and inclusion to allow them to make the best choice possible for them and allowing them the freedom to make the best choice for the individual. We can offer better child support through government funding, but also better child support as fathers. So men need to have a better uh, position in all of this better support better support for women helps all of society we can do better planned parenthood initiatives so unwanted pregnancies are never occurred better programs to help these women we can allow more women to make laws on women's bodies again this is a women's partially a women's rights issues in the legal system we can give a safe space for everyone to help better understand these solutions and these topics. And at the end of the day, we can talk about these issues because the more we talk about it, the more you and I are informed and the more you and I are looking for solutions. So if you think that this was a good podcast and was insightful in some way, uh, and if you listen this far, thank you very much because this is a very long episode. Um, feel free to share this podcast with your friends. Um, if you believe that this was insightful in some way. So to wrap it all up, I will say that, again, I don't know anything, but if we need to approach life with this uncertainty to kind of better understand both sides of a topic and to better understand what it is we should do as a society. Um, to wrap it all up, I will kind of close my closing remarks on exactly my opinion because I know there was a lot that I said and I want to kind of sum it up. So I am pro-choice up to about the 20 weeks mark. After 20 weeks, the fetus has a good chance or has some chance of survival outside of the womb. Doctors are also required to give anesthesia to a fetus prior to an abortion around this stage. So at this stage of development, the fetus 
may be able to feel pain, and I believe that we can make a strong argument that the fetus, the baby, is a human person, soul, living. Past this time, however, I believe that we as a society should work towards helping the mother carry the full term if it is past the 20-week pregnancy. I do believe that six weeks is too short for a woman to make a crucial decision, so therefore I believe between the weeks of six to up to 20, um, there's a strong argument for a personhood theory that uh, the baby is not yet a person. So I am pro-abortion in that case because I believe it is better economically, or I know that it is better economically, but I also believe it is better humanely and socially to give women a choice. I am pro-abortion because I believe in freedom for women to have the choice to make a decision on their own body. Otherwise, I understand that many women who are legally not allowed to abort will do so anyways, either under immense pressure for self-induced abortion or through the black market, which is incredibly unsafe. So it would be better to subsidize or offer better programs to do so. And I believe at the end of the day, there needs to be a discussion made between pro-life and pro-birth. And ultimately, it is a good thing for all of us to talk about this.